family, welcome back to season two of Fruit Found Her Podcast. This season is called Lifestyle, and throughout these episodes, we'll be breaking down what a lifestyle of submitting to Christ looks like and what a life with Christ in the center looks like. So join our community and tune in each week for new episodes. Hey, Fruit Found Her family, it's Sydney, and we're back with episode three of Fruit Found Her Podcast. I'm here today with Kia Hart, and she is, well, during this uh, episode of Fruit Found Her, we're going to be going over what it means to be a bride of Christ, and we're just going to be sharing her perspective, um, testimonials, and just advice for singles and newlyweds. Um, I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Kia Hart. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you, for, thank you, Sydney, for inviting me on and just allowing me to, to share my perspective and experiences. Um, I am a founder of a ministry called She Favors, which God has gifted me with um, over the past two years. And then I'm also a business owner and wife and stay-at-home mom and all that great stuff. So I've just been allowing God to just lead in every area of my life. But yeah, I'm excited to be here today. Amen. Yep. Um, me and Kia actually met last year. Is when you did. Yeah. It was a five day women's what was challenge. It? Yeah. Challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a friend invited me to do that, and it was just a series of five days. And Kia really mentored us through everything. It was really like a push into my walk because I got saved, and then she hosted it. It was great, and we've just been connected ever since. So praise God. Yeah. But and now look at you in this podcast. Yeah, praise God. It's crazy, but um. So today, like I said, we're just going to be going over a series of questions, testimonial, and then advice. So we're just going to pray, and then we'll get into it. So, um, Jesus, we thank you that we have this time right here, Lord. We just ask that you just rain down and really just connect with us, Father, and just minister to us, Lord. And we pray that uh, we just give you full authority and full like privilege over this podcast and this episode, God. May you help somebody, heal somebody, and bring new wisdom and biblical teachings to whoever needs it on today, Lord. And I pray that you bless Kia for coming and sharing her time with me, Father God. And we just pray that your kingdom is glorified through this episode. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so to start, um, first topic. What does it mean to you to be the bride of Christ? And who falls under that category? So um, so I answered the second question first. The bride of Christ is essentially the church. And the church consists of all areas of the body. So whether it's a five-fold ministry or the servants in church in different areas um, of that bracket. Um, what is the bride of Christ? I will say that the bride of Christ is people who are essentially after Jesus as their groom. So I believe that when we are saved, we are in preparation for Jesus's return. We're in preparation for our groom to return back. So in that, it just looks like walking out your salvation and living according to the word of God and obeying his voice and in all areas of your life as well. I think sometimes we just kind of just keep it in one little simple area of saying, well, I read my Bible from time to time and I go to church, you know, here and there, but I don't really have that relationship with God. And when I I believe that when Jesus returned, he's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his wife, the, the people who are actually living for him who submitted to him who was 
after his heart. So that's pretty much what I believe it is and how we can be in preparation for that. I mean, I agree. What you said, everybody who submits their life to Christ as a bride with her husband. Um, but I also yeah. believe that that can be a sensitive topic for people who have really like perverted the uh, word submission or like, you know, even in marriage, like a woman or even a man could be like, oh, I'm not submitting because, you know, they're going to tell me what to do. They think they can tell me what to do. Or it's just like, oh, I'm just independent, this, that, and the third. When really, yeah. uh, even before this episode, I was just going over the notes and I was like, well, you know, you can look at it that way, but then you have to look at how Jesus treats his bride. How's, how does he treat the church? How does he, uh, you know, that's really how we should resemble our relationship with our, well, one with God and then again with our spouses. So uh, scripture to back that one up, just to really break it down, is Ephesians five twenty two through 24. It says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. 24 says now as the church submits to Christ so also wives submit to their husbands in everything and like when it says submit to your husbands and everything it's not saying you have to do like what he says just by the book it's just saying like submit as you would submit yourself to Christ like run it by him like you know you're not living for just you it says two becomes one so or one becomes two I'm sorry so when did you begin to realize that you were the bride of Christ so that I always say that that took me some time. That wasn't like a process that. So when I got saved, I'll say this: when I got saved in 2018, I didn't really have a community. I didn't have a church home, essentially, where they actually lived by the word of God and preached the word of God and and enforced community and doing life with people. So with that being said, I pretty much just like made up my own kind of idea of like what a Christian look like because I grew up in a Christian household quote unquote and I, I quote unquote it because we just went to church so I mean our religion was considered Christian on paper but we didn't like live we didn't read the word of God together there was no bible studies we just went to church and they came right back home and then did our entire life during the week and just separated the two so when I got saved it was all I know to just like Christians just go to church and then live their life. But at the same time, I know that now it was a conviction of the Holy Spirit where I felt like there's something ain't right here. Like something's just telling me that I'm not supposed to be doing both at the same time. And when I'm saying doing both, it was pretty much just drinking, partying and hanging with the wrong people, smoking, doing all a whole nine. So when I got saved, it took me six months before I actually, the Lord completely stripped me away from everything after several different convictions. I mean, I always say that I could have just like said, I'm done with her. She's just not listening. It was like over and over and over again. He's like, don't go there. I went there. Don't do this. I do this. And it's like, to me now, it's like, oh my gosh, if that was my child, I would get so frustrated. Like, why aren't you listening? Like, what's really wrong with you? Are you deaf? So now, um, that's, during that time, I just pretty much just like, all right, guys, so what does that actually look like to be your daughter? And I heard that word before, but I didn't truly understand that being a daughter of Christ looked a certain way. So it started off with me like praying ritual prayers of just 
dear father, just like using the language of father and daughter, but not knowing what that actually meant. So over the course of time of realizing like, wait, I'm actually still seeking as much as God stripped me away from my old lifestyle. I was still seeking my own desires and people or even treating other people as my God, which with without even realizing it. So it was this until this one time where, um, which I shared all the time. It was one time, I think this was like 2019 or 2020 during the pandemic. That's exactly where it was. And I was just, the pandemic was already horrible as it was for myself as, as far as like just life where I was in life. But at that moment that the Lord had gave me a prophecy, the starting of that year, that I was going to get to know him in a way that I didn't know him before. And this whole time I was like, I've been saying for two years already. What are, you, what are you talking about? Like, you know, just ignorant. I didn't really understand that language either. So I was actually in a relationship with someone at that time. And I made him my God to the max. And when I look back at it now, it's like, girl, like, <laughs> what were you actually doing? And I didn't realize it at all until... One day during the pandemic, all our everybody's jobs got taken away from them. Literally all I knew in that season was stripped away from me. One day God was just, he, he, God told him, hey, this relationship needs to be cut off. So now we're in the middle of the pandemic. I just lost my job. I have my first apartment that I need to pay for. And I don't know how nothing's getting done. And then plus this relationship that I've been in the past few months, the person that I spent all my time with now, God has separated me from that person. So now I'm like, all right, what are you actually doing? I was so mad. I was really mad at God. And I'm always honest about that because I think there's freedom when we realize that God wants us to express how we feel to him as well. So what it looked like was he was stripping everything away from me, which he was, but what it felt like was um, this pain that he wanted me to endure for no reason from my own perspective then. So during that, he just kept reminding me there's a greater purpose here. And I'm like, I don't understand what greater purpose is going to come out of me just like suffering. So that's a season where I truly understood and learned suffering. And I, it was horrible. I mean, just looking back at it, it was just, that was truly a wilderness season. So anywho, yeah. um, I actually, uh, one day I was like, you know what? I don't got nothing else to do. We're in a pandemic. We can't go outside. The city that I was living in, you were not allowed to go outside like the first three months. And if you did, you would get a ticket. You had to have your name on the list to the time where you went to the grocery store. I mean, it was like some jail. And I did not understand. I hated it. It was just so horrible. So I even had to like be time to go outside. I felt like my life was just so like contained to like my apartment. And I lived in the studio apartment. So I just felt like I was in jail. So I remember when God was just like, you ain't got nothing else to do. I was like, I don't got nothing else to do. So, you know, instead of the first few days, I just spent my time, like, listening to music and watching sermons here and there. And I was like, you know what? What's up, God? What, what actually you have me going on, going in here now? Because all I'm doing is crying and trying to figure out what life is actually looking like right now. And he simply told me, 
in prayer that I've made other people my Lord. And I was like, no, I didn't. So now I'm going back and forth with God. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't do that. And even though I didn't verbally say that to those people, I made them in my heart my God. And that looked like in the ways of me consulting them first before going to God. Or I was using the people around me, the relationship and friends as a crutch to just like simplify my life a little bit so I didn't have to just face whatever it was with God. And that caught up to me. Like the past two years, it caught up caught up to me. And he realized, well, God told me in this season, I want to make you understand who you are as my daughter. And that was the first time I heard those words in the way of, he's actually my father after praying prayers like, Dear Heavenly Father, and I said it, I always said, Dear Heavenly Father, out of just routine. I heard it, I heard it in churches growing up, but I didn't understand what it meant to me. I had no connection to this father that I was just proclaiming in prayer. So it was just a set of words for me. So in that moment, I was like, oh, snap. Like, So I'm really trying to figure out what exactly was I doing in my entire few years of being saved of allowing myself to just be submitted underneath the lordship of other people instead of god so i remember this one day sorry i'm going off on the tangent yeah, you're good. <laughs> that makes sense um one day i remember that i was in the car and i couldn't go anywhere so it was a pandemic so all i could do is just sit in the car in the parking lot and i couldn't even sit in there for too long because cops would literally come and say that you have to go inside your house because we were literally like one month into the pandemic, like the shutdown just happened. Mm. So I couldn't even sit in the car. So I brought, but I remember, I, anyways, I still did. I brought my Bible, brought my journal, and I just wanted some fresh air. I needed a new scenery. So I'm just like journaling and writing out different things that God is just teaching me in that moment. And I remember he said that um, who, who the, the definition I have of father on um, the box that I've placed him in, that's not who he is. So that's when I started to understand, like, you know, looking at actually in scripture, how is God my father? And how is he not the father that I have associated in my head to from my earthly father or father figures in my life and how he's not that same way. And it was in that moment when he was like, this is the way that I have allowed you to be just based off of life and experience and we just live in a sinful world. Um, but other than that, he was really allowing me to see in that moment how I have truly neglected my daughtership or sonship to him just based off of my idea of how he would view me, if that makes sense. So I was constantly just thinking, like, why would I go to God about certain things if um, I would tell my earthly father something and he'd be like, yeah, hey, you'll be okay. So I was associating like, of course, I will go to my friends and to the relationship because my idea of God as father in my head was eh, he don't really care that much when he did. So in that moment was when he started to really reveal to me how what daughtership looked like. I started to actually like meditate and study on the scriptures of he knitted me in my mother's womb. Like, I mean. And it sounds so simple, and to other people, it's like, isn't that the first scriptures you would know when you get, get saved? 
but I didn't have a community. I didn't really have people or I didn't have mentors. I didn't have a ministry I was attached to. Like all that I'm doing now for the kingdom, I didn't have that. So to me, it was just really just God is just pulling me out the mud and just doing his own thing with me. Everything that I was able to grasp was straight from his mouth because I, I had no idea if it wasn't it for him. I would still be out here thinking that, you know, I'm saved. And, <laughs> but my heart is truly not there. Like, and that was actual the scripture that says at the end, many would say, Lord, Lord, I did this for you. That would have been me because I didn't truly understood understand what it meant to be a daughter, to be submitted, to be his bride. My life was just simply like, I'm a Christian. I go to church and I go to sometimes midweek on Tuesday, but not like I was doing anything crazy, but I was actually, my heart wasn't there. So God was just in that season. He was literally just allowing me to see him as my father as the groom, as my literally like entire life of where I can view him at not just as a specific way. So hopefully that answers the question. Wow. Yeah, it did. It was you really convicted me and I didn't expect any of that. But <laughs> I, yeah, I believe I'm in that season still like just unlearning everything that I thought that I knew like before prior to getting saved, even when it comes down to like, you know, looking at God as like my dad here on earth. Like I've done that so many times and like, you know, I have to like check those thoughts as soon as they come in, you know, like if I'm upset about something like growing up, I didn't, you know, like I didn't, you could say my emotional needs weren't met as a child. So like now when I'm upset about something, I don't want anybody to bother me, even God. Yeah, so sometimes I'll even tell God, I'm like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to hear anything. And it's just like, that shouldn't be my heart posture, you know, because he's not like man, you know. But I'm learning and he's been, he's working on my heart, praise him. But that was, that was convicting. It was very convicting. And you gave me a lot of new prayer points. Wow. Amen. Because, I mean, that was, and I keep emphasizing, that was a rough season. Yeah. It sounds cute now, say <laughs> back, but it was it was bad because it really had to. I really was stripped to my core, where I didn't have any like protection or shield as far as like the outer layers that I put on. Just like you just said, I was that same person where if I'm not in the mood to talk, I'm not talking, and I did the same thing to God, where it's like I'm upset. You just took away my job. You let me get this apartment knowing that I'm not going to have a job. Then you put me in this relationship that I thought he did. And then he took it away. And everything that I felt comfortable in, he literally just like took it away from me. And I felt like in that moment, like, God, you really robbed me. I could have just stayed at my parents' house and did my thing. And I had to worry about what life will look like if a pandemic happened. But it really brought me back to those scriptures of suffering. Like it's so important to endure suffering as scripture states about suffering. And if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have truly understood the glory of God, even in the wilderness. So yeah, that season is necessary. It it is. It really is. Um, We're even talking about that at church right now. Long suffering. Yeah. I'm like, Oh no. (laughs) It's it's so needed. It's so rough. Yeah. But it's 
so needed because I mean at the end of the season when you look back because now I'm able to like truly say I thank God for that season because it actually molded me to who I am today if I didn't go through that season and so it sounds so cliche people always say that <laughs> but I didn't go through this, would have made through this. but honestly yeah. if I didn't go through the season of where I was just confused I was lost and I had no other choice to just sit on my face in prayer all day long and just reading my word all day long, I wouldn't have been able to encounter God as father at all if he just gave me everything I wanted. So that's why I think that suffering is so important because then we never truly realize how much we need God until we actually suffer. Because if not, I would've been like, well, I have this, I have that, I have all these things that I want. Why would I need to constantly consult God for things if I already have it? So. God is very smart. He's a wise man. He is. He is. What would you say? So, like, okay, just in my perspective, I believe I've been in that season. You know, you have better days than others. Um, But, like, when it comes to, I'm always like a what's next. Like, I got to be doing something like what's next, what's next. So, like, if, if God wants me to be still, right, and I'm like, okay, you want me to be still just for today. And then tomorrow, I'm like, okay, what's next? What would you say for somebody who is always trying to pick up something, like, when God wants you to be still? Or, like, if God doesn't want you to have a job, or if he really wants you to just be, like, stripped, but, like, you know, you keep going out and trying to seek what's next, what would you say for someone? Um, someone who's constantly, like, seeking out the next thing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Sit down, <laughs> literally, because he will make you sit down. Like, there's no other like cute way to say it. I'm sorry, because what I've learned and I'm still learning is that if you choose to not be to be still, God will make you be still. So whether he will clo- intentionally close doors, he will stop you in your tracks. He will prevent you from going certain places whether it was career choices, moving choices, he would literally prevent you and close every single door until you actually sit down. And I think that that's so necessary as well, because sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves and feel like, well, I feel like I'm prepared to do this next thing. So I'm just going to go do it. And also when it comes to being still, it's, it's easier said than done. I would say that, but it's so important to recognize the beauty of what God reveals in the stillness where you don't have the voices from other people, the opinions, you know, just all the different input from the world and you're truly allowed. It's almost like consecration is kind of what I like correlated with where you're just abiding in his presence and allowing him to just pour into you, whatever it is that you may need in that season. But for the person who's like trying to like hop, skip, jump, all that to the to wherever it is that you're trying to go, I would say the first thing is always to recognize where's your heart posture at. I, I will constantly ask myself too when I'm like trying to do different things or what different things. Like for example, a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago actually, I was like, um, I'm ready to live in a house. So I'm over here on Zillow typing typing in mansions. And I mean, there was no budget on it. Mm -hmm. I was just on my faith, you know, Mm -hmm. just uh, typing in 10 bedroom houses, five bathrooms, doing this whole nine. 
right after I made it up in my mind, I want to move. So it wasn't that I wanted to move for a specific reason other than I just want to move. It wasn't anything else than that. But right then and there, I was just speaking to a friend that right then and there is when I realized that discontentment would really harbor in your heart if you begin to covet what you don't have. Mm -hmm. So I think being still is so important because we sometimes only want the next thing because we want what something somebody else have, or we just want better. If And I put better in quotations because better is kind of just like subjective to whatever you think is good because our preference are different to different things. So I realized then that it's so easy to covet the next thing. When I lived in a studio apartment, I wanted a one-bedroom apartment. When I got in a one-bedroom apartment, I wanted a two-bedroom apartment. Now I'm in the two-bedroom apartment. I just want a mansion. Forget the apartment. <laughs> now. So, but then I realized that's a pattern and that can actually breed discontentment and then harbor, then worry, and then just anxiousness. It's just so many different things that right then and there, literally a couple of weeks ago, was when God was just like, I need you to just like chill <laughs> where I have you. And it's not to just say you will never have it or this is not the season, but it's just sometimes it's just you're looking too much at what other people have or what other people are doing or what you can have, but then you forget that where the peace resides now and what he's teaching now. So I know people probably hear that a lot, but sometimes I feel like it just goes in one ear mm -hmm. and not the other, at least for myself. Mm -hmm. Because right after that, I was like, all right, you got it. Two days later, I'm back <laughs> on the <Zimbabwe. laughs> And I'm like, all right, we're done. Yeah. I'm not going to be on Zillow no more, guys. That's it. We're good. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was for me. Oh, that's it for me. Crazy. <laughs> really? <laughs> girl you already know yeah amen okay you kind of answered this already um but how did you begin to change like your life after you after God revealed to you like hey this is your role as my daughter um or as my bride of Christ um how did you begin to like submit yourself differently to him so it looks so different um just being that it was almost like I was in hibernation mm -hmm. for like six, seven months before we were ever able to go outside. So when I came out, things looked way different for me as far as prioritizing my time with God, prioritizing um, worship, prayer, um, not being intentional even in church, in worship and in prayer. And um, overall, because I, I started to build that community in the city that I was in, but overall, it just really looked different in the area of my secret time with him and just translating that in my day to day. So I didn't allow that to just like alter once I got out of this hibernation or wilderness season to say. I truly allowed myself to just live the same way that I've been living the past six months in quarantine to say, I allow God to translate that outside. And then I began to see the fruits of it. I mean, I, I don't want it to sound so like cute because it wasn't, there was still moments even after that quarantine period, a wilderness period 
where I just had several breakdowns where I'm like, wow, like the pressure is on. Like literally, like I felt the pressure of not just like other things or other people, but it was just more of the pressure of holding myself accountable. And even though I felt like, well, nobody really needs to know what you went through the past six months, but I was truly understanding that God's purpose in those months didn't go to vain. So holding myself accountable is only going to allow me to confront myself and confront the patterns that was just living by. But I mean, it was still painful because it was still different things that I had to just still heal from outside of that. So as I was journeying into being his daughter in the first few months, it still looked like healing and crying and praying. And then God, why again? Like, I'm still confused again, but I'm going to choose to trust you. So my emotions was definitely up and down in that seat in the first few months of that. But I just remember it being getting to the place of where God is like, I'm healing your heart. You just have to continue resting in me. And that was enough comfort to me to just say like, you know, I'm going to continue journeying this journey as his daughter and learning what more that means to me. Cause even though I understood the scripture base of what it means to be his daughter, I wanted to be able to live as his daughter. So the value, the worth, the confidence, the bonus. Mm-hmm. I mean, those took, <laughs> took a long time yeah. to, to have as attributes. Um, I would say that almost took like two years to like inhabit in my heart to be able to truly say that I'm confident in who God has called me to be. So yeah, I wouldn't say to put a timeline on it either for anybody's life, whoever's like, you know, searching or even walking in their new sonship or daughtership as God's daughter or son, just allow him to just do the healing work. Cause I don't think, okay, last thing. I don't think that people realize that when we're saying that we're God's daughter or son, that is requiring a new you. Mm-hmm. So the healing is going to take place and it's going to be so painful because when we're stripping, being stripped away from who we once were, we were conditioned to think in our entire life. And then when we come into this covenant with God, like truly, and he's taking us away from everything we've ever known, the thought processes, the um, ideas of him, of ourselves, of life, is a whole new you that you're discovering as you're discovering more of Christ. So just think about like the emotions that will play a part in everything that that we're discussing now, because when I look at it now, it's like, no wonder I was crying all the right. time. It looks like I'm discovering a new me. My life is literally not the same anymore. And now I'm trying to figure out this walk with Christ, maintaining my new community, be my, you know, there's just so many different avenues there, but yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Like, yeah. Um, so when it comes to like spending time with God, I was like, now I have like, I've caught the cycle. So like, I'll be on top of it, you know, worship, all of that. Um, but I like God, is he's just been teaching me so much, like always, but I'll get in this cycle or whatever. And I'll be like, okay, well, like I'll stop reading my Bible as much, or I'll like stop praying as much or warring. Like, I really love yeah. to like pray like a warrior. Like that's one of my favorite things to do. And like, yeah. I'll catch myself like fading from that. 
Um, and honestly, like, even now God is just showing me it's because I'm like taking my eyes off of him and I'll put it on like what's going on around me. Um, but easier yeah. said than done. And then something else yeah. he's teaching me is like, it's not going to be like perfect. You know, like when I first got saved, you know, you would look at other people's testimony. Well, I would look at other people's testimonies or like just life with God. I'm like, oh, they make it look so easy. Like, you know, yes. and then it's just like, no, like everybody has struggles. Everybody like yes. has their days or their weeks, even months. Um, yes. But just to keep trusting him, even when you don't know. That's right. hard. That's very hard. Yeah. 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 I blame social media, though, for mm-hmm. people thinking that being a believer is so cute all the time because everybody just posts the aesthetic of it. Their Bible verses and their highlights and their devotionals. And it's it's like it's more than that. Yeah. Like it's more it's sometimes where I don't feel like it. And it's no specific reason. It's not just because I don't want to spend time with God, but. I'm tired right now, but nobody really speaks about things of that nature because they just make it feel like you're a bad Christian if you don't mm-hmm. always feel like it. Part of us being believers is crucifying our flesh. And if our flesh always wanted to, then we wouldn't have to crucify anything. Mm-hmm. So, And that's, that's scripture. So, of course, there's going to be moments of where I'm saying, God, I don't feel like it right now. But I'm going to do it anyways. And that's a part of the crucifixion yeah. is saying, I'm going to do it anyways. So, yeah, people shouldn't beat themselves up of, of feeling like I'm not on this routine or this this schedule of what my time with God looks like. I think God just wants your time. Mm-hmm. And if that really just looks like in your car rides, and the season it just looks like in your car rides to work, you just speaking to God in the shower. That's your time with God. Of course, as you grow, you know, implement and prioritize sitting down, prayer, reading your word, you know, those things are a part of it and it's necessary. Um, But I think that when a lot of people just like think about it too much, um, is God going to be mad at me Mm -hmm. or I really live in a a good Christian life? Um, I mean, there's so much I can just say. That would be more like religion, you know, we listen to that religion spirit, you could say, whenever it gets to like, oh, is God going to be mad at me? Oh, I didn't read or get in my prayer closet today, so I can't hear God, but it's like, you can hear him anywhere. Right. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, all right. So um, when you first get saved, I believe, like we said earlier, God wants to like strip you of everything you've learned and then begin to build you in him. And yeah. it's just, I could really testify on that because that's really what it's been like my whole walk. Um, and honestly, I feel like that's your whole journey, you know, life. Cause you always pick up on new things and then just like, yeah. let go of old things. But like, yeah. he does the work in you. Right. So it's like looking back on my walk with Christ and looking back on who I was before I gave my life to Christ. It's really my character that he's like worked on my heart that he's worked on. And I've seen the fruits of it in a sense of how I treat my family or how I respond to certain things or even just seeing my family like change their language up or just saying like, oh, praise God or just well, say a quick prayer. And it's just like watching God work through me and then it just like overflowing onto my family. It's just like it's, it's a blessing. And it's just, you know, when I take those moments to take a step back and really look at how he's been working, it's truly a blessing just to learn like. Yeah. who you are in Christ and just like your confidence changes it really does change and like I still have a lot to go because I really used to be so shy like as a kid 
yeah, I used to hide behind my dad when I first met people because I used to be really shy. Um, so like he's I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I was so shy as a kid. Even when it comes to relationships, you know, your standards really grow. Like there's a lot that I will not put up with. Like the other day, okay, yeah, <laughs> the other day I was leaving this uh, restaurant and I seen this guy open the car door for his lady. I was like, all right. So I went my phone and I made a list of like my standards of like, you know, nobody's going to be perfect, but it's just like, okay, these are my standards. It's like if, and then I was thinking if, if Jesus died on the cross for me, you can open my door for me in a sense of like, I can do it, but it's just like a, I don't know. You could say like old fashioned or just gentleman, you know? Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with that. I remember when I first got out of that relationship that God took me out of, um, a couple months down the line, I had a friend and she was like, you know, you should write down what you, not that what you want from a guy, but almost what you expect mm-hmm. to have. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like, so you don't settle and just raise the bar low just for the sake of comfort or he's a Christian, but a Christian man can also not do the thing that you would expect him to do. So I like that you wrote that down because I definitely yeah. did it. And yeah. it allowed you to see things differently because when counterfeits come, it's like, mm-mm. mm-mm. <laughs> and, and, you know, don't even get me started with, like, don't even read them the list. Don't tell them yeah. what the list is. But I remember one time I did do that. And he literally did everything that I said on the list. And then a couple months, later it was just fraud it was fraud it wasn't real was it long after you realized that you were the bride of christ and like you know walking in that that god brought your husband like was it (laughs) people will probably laugh at this but when i went through that whole situation that i was just explaining where the pandemic happened that relationship ended all of that happened march 2021 no wait pause March 2020. Mm-hmm. That all happened in March 2020. So I was still in the city that I was living in, which was in New Jersey. I was there all the way up until January 1st, 2021. So I moved to Atlanta from New Jersey. So this is so from March to January. How long is that? Probably like, I don't even know. And I can't math. I can't do math right now. Is that nine months? From, I think it is. From March to January? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't do good at math. Okay. Amen. So, um, yeah. So from March is when all those things happen, relationship and God teaching me and building me up. So that all happened between March to December of 2020. And then I moved to Atlanta January 3rd, technically, of 2021. And then I met my husband January 26, 2021. So it took literally like two and a half weeks before we met in person or met in general. So it would take no time. Literally, I was I lived in a whole new city for about two, three weeks of where I was like, all right, God, last year taught me so much. And the last thing on my mind, if I'm truthfully speaking, the last thing on my mind was meeting anybody because Mm -hmm. that relationship and where I was at with that literally tore me up to the point where I was like, I need to know that the next Christian man that I'm with 
is for real who they yeah. say they are. And I didn't want nothing else than that. Cause I don't want to go through that cycle over and over and over again of discovering mm-hmm. how it's, I don't want to do that. So that was the last thing on my mind. If I'm honestly speaking, when I moved here, uh, you know, people thought that I was moving here for somebody or I had a mission or agenda in mind. And it was the only mission I had was to see what God had for me in this new place. And that was just it. And it just so happened to be three weeks later right? <laughs> that I met him. And yeah, so yeah, it happened just that fast. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I also believe, well, everybody always says this, like when you stop, because God does that. He always gets mm-hmm. you when you least expect it or like when you're not thinking about mm-hmm. it. And that's just so true. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was not expecting it at all. Our relationship was far yeah. from my mind at all. I mean, like, I had a whole new responsibility to take care of. I mean, this was going to be my second apartment that I was moving into. And I'm living in a city where rent is expensive. Yeah. So... <laughs> So my whole, my whole thing was like work based, like how can I allow God to use me in this area of life so I can supply and provide for not myself because God provides for me, but, you know, being able to pay bills on time, Mm -hmm. like the prayers that I had moving into Atlanta was, I don't want to be homeless. I want to be able to pay bills on time because I'm not one of those people. I can't pay bills late. I don't feel good. I always feel guilty and I I just don't like it. So I had so many specific prayers in regards to just like finances, but none of them were towards bring me somebody to help me with finances. But yeah, I got own plans. (laughs) Another question that follows in with your marriage is how do you balance um, submitting to Christ and your husband? Mm, that's a good question so I would like to say that it goes hand in hand like submitting to my husband is submitting to Christ because if I did the uh, if I did the opposite it would be disobedient to God of the way that he orchestrated the household but prioritizing and specifically setting apart the two essentially which I'm saying it like that because I know there isn't no two it's right. a clear distinction of one but um what I could do differently I guess would just specifically just be allowing my husband to take the lead literally with anything and that gets controversial because some people like to say like you know you don't have any say so in anything but that's not the truth. It's not like I don't have, like, I don't put an input in right. what we're eating today or anything like that. But it's really allowing the way that God has ordained marriage to be to just flourish. Because I realized in the moments of where I try to say, like, you know, maybe we should do this is where there will be some sort of disconnection there. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not allowing God's order to just flow. So some ways that I've just been doing that as far as like submission wise is just allowing him to take the lead. And with that, he does offer um, my advice or just ask for my advice to certain things. And we allow it to flow in the area of, all right, let's both now just ask God together and allow God to just flow as the third chord 
because outside of that, it, it just gets the confusion and it gets the disconnection and allows the enemy to now just like, you could do this yourself. And maybe you don't need to ask him this. He, you can just do it on your own. So I think that it's so important in marriage specifically to just submit to your leadership because essentially what that is, is your covering. Just as in church, you would have your pastors as your covering or your apostles as your covering. In your household, your husband is your covering. So literally, of course, I'm not making him an idol because I've been there and we're not doing that again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not making him an idol, but it's consulting him as my head who consults, then consults God on how to go about different things and i believe that god has placed our husbands in position of leadership for the sole fact of the bride and groom aspect of like what we're talking about now and in this area it's something about the man being able to just really cover and protect and just be as that shield for his wife and the children in the house and all those things. So I say that all to say is when it comes to submission, it's really just looking like, what is it that you believe is best for us to do here? And then with that, he would just then say his opinion or what he thinks and then ask for my opinion. So it's not specifically just him, just forget all that you got to say. Right. And I think that's what we can just, think about and I think that's the same way that God reacts with us as well is here's what I want you to do daughter what do you think about this and it's not to say that his will is not going to get done it is but I think God is just such a gentleman that he places it in that way where he cares about what we think and I can definitely say that my husband does the same thing of just what do you think about this if you don't feel like it's this is a good thing to do then we're not going to do it unless it's something just drastic. I mean, when I brought up the idea about moving to a mansion, he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes me realize that I have a lot more submitting to God to do. Um, yeah. Like, it humbles me in a sense. And it just redirects my focus on, like, God. Um, because, like, you know, you don't want to walk into something that you're not ready for at all. Um mm -hmm. Or rush it, really, because you don't want it to, you know, because it's a kingdom marriage. It's not just like a temporary thing. Like yeah, it's like right. it's literally kingdom. So right. you have to let, like we said earlier, you have to let Christ like do a work on you, um, mm -hmm. because like you know you grew up on certain things. We picked up on like our parents' lifestyles or habits, and it's like some things were really like oblivious to. And it's like oh, I didn't even realize that I was doing that, or like I didn't know that's how I reacted to certain things. But two things, if you want to, well, you kind of did give us all advice, like for like single people and newlyweds. Um, but if you have anything else, or if you wanted to share your testimony, like your full testimony of you and your husband. Okay, so funny story. <laughs> we, we actually met on a date, a Christian dating app that I was completely opposed to. I had the fairy tale, like any other woman, of just wanting to meet him in a supermarket and I'm getting my produce and then I literally, this was my idea, where I grabbed the apples in my 
plastic produce bag and then the bag busted and then he came and he like your apples fell and let me get you some more <laughs> like that's my idea of what I would have wanted and it didn't happen like that at all I was working with this company and I was working with them doing sponsorships through influencing for about four or five months and it was at the third month mark is when they were like hey we realized that you didn't have we were on a board meeting this day and it was just so funny because they called me out in front of everybody the director of the app was on there the owner was there the chair me i mean it was a whole like thing where it was at least like 50 people on the line so it was a huge meeting as far as with the influencers who were part of the campaign all of that and I say that because just think about how I was feeling mm-hmm. in that moment when they had everybody like sharing different things and introducing themselves and da 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 da. And in that moment was when one of the chairmen, I don't know who she was in specific, but she was like, hey, we realized that she didn't have her profile on our app. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> Y'all caught me. <laughs> Y'all caught me. Jokes on me. <laughs> she said, oh, snap. Y'all was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I was quiet for a good minute. And I remember, like, I, I muted my mic. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and it was I was like, I don't know. Like, she's like, yeah, we're we're gonna need you to have a profile for us. Otherwise, literally, she just said it like this: we're just gonna drop you from payroll. And I just moved to this apartment in a new city, and that was part of the ways I was being able to pay for my bills with this this influencing. So I was like, oh snap, she's serious. So she literally gave me a deadline to create a profile share the profile over with them. They'll tell me if I need to do anything different or anything like that. So I was like, okay. So the next day I t- told my friend, well, one of my friends at that time to come with me to go take some photos for the app. Cause now I got to put some photos up there that I didn't want to. So it was around like, like end of January. Cause this was right before I got on the app for sure. Like January 21st or something like that. That was like the date. So I made the entire profile. I posted everything. And one night, I was just like, all right, I just finished making dinner, had a long day. And I was like, well, let me just like see what can actually just like, let me just look what <laughs> to do. I'm sitting in my bed and I'm just scrolling, um, get on the app. And then my phone literally freezes on my husband's page, doesn't move. It was so weird because I was like, uh, no. Like, what is going on here? Like, it's not moving. It wasn't, I couldn't click the button. I couldn't turn my phone off. Could have, if I tried to charge it, it was not doing anything. And the only thing was allowing me to do is click the message button. And on this app, how it works is the man has to pretty much like pursue the woman by like clicking that they like the woman. And then the woman follows up by messaging. So, the man can't go no further than the just pressing like or love on anything. So that's what he, that's the only reason why his page showed for me is the fact that he clicked like or love. So anyways, I had to message him in order to get my phone to just do something. 
And I was like, ain't this um literally I'm just laying in my bed like I can only click message like this don't even make no sense I even tried in that moment like slapping my phone and just trying to like do everything and it's not working so um also so I click message and then I try to go back because I was like oh maybe if I go back then it would just like refresh or anything no it didn't so I had to go back to message I messaged him and I was like, hey, I don't even know exactly what I said, but I was just like, hey there, something like that. And then afterwards, after I clicked message again, I was able to go back on Instagram and do everything else that I was doing. So we started having our first conversation that day. And I believe it actually was January 26th. We had our whole entire first conversation and I was like, oh, he's pretty cool. And I thought he was a catfish though, because he only had about two photos up there. And I was like, you are not about to catch <laughs> So I told him, I was like, hey, send me a photo of you like holding a fork or holding something that, you know, like shows significance that you just did. And he was not with it. He did not want it. He's like, no, like, I'd rather just get on FaceTime. And I was like, okay, even yeah. better. I would push on my face though, but I didn't want to. I, I don't know. So we got on FaceTime and uh, we just ended up speaking on the phone for literally about like 18 hours straight. Mm. Like, we fell asleep on the phone, got up, and I'm like, oh, snap, I'm on the phone with you. Like, bye. Right. And we immediately got into, like, more conversation and more conversation. It was almost like we got to know each other's life story in about wow. two days straight. And, and that was just, like, pretty much it. Like, from that day, we were like, okay. It took us about a month before meeting up in person because, again, I didn't I didn't want to like get into no counterfeit stuff. Like I was, I literally had just got out of a, got out of a relationship less than a year ago, and the last thing on my mind was getting involved with someone and then it don't work out and then I get my heart broken and that goes. I didn't want none of that, so I remember just like praying and saying, "All right, God, like, let me know if this is from you." If it's not, let this entire friendship, conversation, relationship, whatever it is, remove it from me immediately. And I was so serious. Like, I'm, he was cool and our conversations were really nice, but I didn't want that to get in the way of God just using me in this season. So I was very clear on that. And God started to give me dreams and, it, it was just like this supernatural peace that I had about it. That was so weird. Whenever I prayed about relationships I wasn't in, in the past, I never had peace. It was always like confusion, just like in my heart. Like, I wonder, like, is this from God? Is it not? Okay, it's from God. Okay, is it not? Right. But then it was literally like, I feel the peace. Like, wait, this feels like this is my person for real. There was no confusion there there wasn't any doubt in my heart or anything like that and then we met up for our first date a month later and then literally I think it was three months later we got engaged and then a one month later after that we got married so I moved January 20 uh, January 3rd and then I got married May 22nd so wow that's literally the time frame but that's literally God. That's all Jesus. That's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. To everybody else, it looks insane and it sounds crazy because I know, like, to everybody, it's like, how do you even really know somebody in that short amount of time? But when people say, when is God, you'll know, like, that's all I can say. 
And to this day, I remember people said in the beginning, your first year of marriage is going to be hard because you guys barely know each other. And that is not our story at mm-hmm. all. And I like, confidently say, like, he's my best friend. Like, I don't, we don't have problems. I mean, like, of course, there's disagreements, but it's it's probably about, like, he bought pork and I wanted chicken. Right. Like, it was <laughs> stuff like that. So, but it's never, like, what people have declared first year of marriage would be for, especially for somebody who barely knew each other. And I'm like, I know it sounds crazy and it looks crazy and a half family telling me, girl, you look crazy. But I'm like, you know what? If it's for God, I'm going to just look crazy and let God do the rest Mm -hmm. after that. But praise God, we are uh, in our second year now, just still living as newlyweds. So yeah, I'm so happy for you. And you got a little, a little baby on the way. Got a little baby on the way. That's so crazy, Kia. You're really a mom. Well, you've been a mom, but you're like, yes. wow. like I'm carrying a child. I know it's every. I forget. Like I mean, I'll be out here trying to do a cartwheel in the house. <laughs> He's like, you need to relax. Like, oh Amen. yeah, sorry. That is but it. yes. It's God is definitely so faithful. Yeah, He so. is. He really is. I'm so blessed to know you, Kia. Thank you. Oh, I'm so blessed to know you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for coming on this episode. Of um, yeah. May God bless you and your ministry and your um Amen. Agency. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. I'm so happy for you in this ministry that you have here, this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I, you've been doing it. I've been seeing and listening, and I'm like, <laughs> you better go ahead. Amen. It gets a little. Uh, season one, God definitely, it was just kind of because I'd never even watched a podcast or listened to a podcast in my life. And it was oh, just, wow. yeah. And it was weird how this one came about, but it was just like one day. I was working at Planet Fitness. Uh, a Christian guy was like, "You should do. A, you should like do a podcast. Your voice is very like distinctive. I think that's what he said." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't think about that, but I like wanted to be like a motivational speaker and like that." Um, and then in May is when I actually did it. When I got fired from Planet Fitness, that's when I started doing the podcast. And then you know, wow. yeah, season one was just like jumping straight in, and then like season two was like more like preparation and really learning like the basics. So. Yeah. Praise God. Wow. Well, I'm praying that God continues to use you in this ministry of podcasting because, I mean, it's so needed. Yeah. It's so needed because you don't know who's tuning in. And one thing I love about podcasts is it isn't just, like, community-based where you're seeking out feedback from people. Literally anybody around the world could just, like, tune into this podcast and just... God supernaturally brings them to this podcast and they receive what they need to receive and mm-hmm. they get saved and you know mm-hmm. that's yeah. the amazing thing about podcasting yeah every time I like doubt it or whatever there's always somebody who like message me and be like wow Sid I needed this I'm like who yeah. praise God because that's what it's about um yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but Thank you for coming on this episode. Thank y'all for tuning in. Um, I'm going to have Kia's description or her media's down below. Make sure y'all check her out. She's a blessing.